When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone and welcome to this, the latest edition of Saturday Draft Live here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Steve Wilson and joining me in the hot seat this week, fingers crossed his technical difficulties from last Saturday have resolved themselves. It is Mr. David Hockney. Dave, how are you? Hey, listen, if you listened to the last episode of ESSR Central, you would see that I'm smooth, crisp, clean audio output in that great discussion I had with John Isherwood and Ross McLeod. So I think I'm back to full capacity now. I'm glad you added audio output to the end of that descriptor there. I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> Crisp, clean. This is not Tinder Dave. This is not you trying to put yourself out there. Oh, those those days are behind me now. Fair enough. And on this week's edition, we have a special guest. A man who is not shy to boast about how he's doing. Uh, he's the current league leader. He's a three-time draft champion. He's also a listener's league champion. He calls himself the GOAT, but he may as well call himself the GLOAT right now. It is Mr. David Campbell. David, oh, how are what you? a feeling. Keep believing, because I'm back on Saturday draft. Like, Stephen, the thing is, right, I'm like GameStop. There is no stopping this claim. When you talk about I call myself the GOAT, at this point, it's a word that David Hockney likes to overuse, beat into the ground like a dead horse. It is undisputed that I am the go. But this season has proved it. It's been fantastic. And listen, you say that I come on here and I need to talk about myself. There's a reason for that. Every time this season, the user had to tell the people that I'm top of the league, you say it like I've killed your cat. Like I've went round and slapped your grandmother in the face, you know what I mean? I didn't think I didn't think we hated each other that much, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, we talk about uh, GameStop. It's not currently dumb money right now to bet on uh, David winning the league. Uh, <laughs> if you know, you know. But let's get into our top scorers for the weekend. We might as well throw it to David because he's going to throw this right back in my face. The third top scorer of the week. Scrap Daddy, Adam Pierce, David. I'm, <laughs> David, I'm, I'm here. You know, like uh, just give me, give me what you're going to say. You know, I'm but ready to take it. You said, Stephen, at the start of the season. Oh, I'm not sure about Adam Pierce. I don't think it's the season for Adam Pierce, especially in the fifth round. But you know, he's he's proved you wrong. That that is that is what's happened here. He has just absolutely came to play. I'll admit myself, right. It was a bit of a risk. We weren't sure the season of Adam Pearce being like the best, you know, that that top pick that got me and Ryan uh, brilliant points uh, seasons past. We weren't sure if that had gone, but nine points this week, Stephen. 
uh, for Scrap Daddy Adam Pearce. He has the benefit of appearing on both Raw and SmackDown. When you look at the fifth round, he's 23 points for the season. That's the second best in the fifth round. The only irony for that, the only sticking point for that, Stephen, is my man from last season who's beaten him in the fifth round. It's OC Orange Cassidy. But hopefully he doesn't have a title anymore. These appearances pick up. It's Pierce versus Cassidy. It's a battle for David Campbell's soul in the fifth round there. I mean, Dave, I think the season, I think the contrasting performances of our top and bottom scorer currently is perfectly summed up by Adam Pierce, 59th pick overall of the season, 23 points, as David, as David said, the second best pick of round five. Uh, the pick that came before him was one who we probably thought would have done better. It was Jungle Boy on minus one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? You know, Scrap Daddy in the past, especially during the pandemic era, was, you know, a massive points getter because he acted as the on-screen authority figure. But even, even to this day, you know, when there is no technically no general manager on-screen authority figure. You know, he's the constant factor behind the scenes, and those appearance points alone are starting to rack up for the go, especially. I mean, he's he's, he's, he's really there. A big reason he's there is just to stop Seth Rollins running aggressively down the <laughs> ramp. <laughs> but uh, we digress, we digress. Dave, I'll fall back onto you for our um, second-best performer of the week. She is the TBS... Yes, TBS champion. I've always mm-hmm. got the two mixed up. Uh, Chris Statlander, uh, 10 points for Scott McLeod. Mm-hmm. Uh, Statlander, uh, we saw the power of her last season when she was picked by myself in the transfer window. Not quite enough to get me to the title, but it's a solid pick, especially with the, the free show format. Last couple of weeks, she's been appearing very regularly. Yeah, and as long as she keeps the TBS title defences up, there's no reason why she can't be a top scorer of the season because right now she's joint with Orange Cassidy and John Moxley on 37 points overall following that successful title defence against Jade Cargill, uh, who's now uh, moved to the Performance Centre. So Chris Stanlander was an absolute steal in the transfer window last season when she won the championship. And albeit, you know, she's not, involved in the most high-profile feuds of AEW. I think as long as she gets regular TBS title defences across any of three of AEW's shows, it's practically easy points for, for Scott's team. Uh, David, at the time of uh, selection, I questioned uh, Scott's decision to go with Statlander when uh, MGF was on the table. But if had the Adam Cole-MGF double tandem, it would have mm-hmm. had him a bit higher up. Uh, but... Um, the 37 points, uh, David Campbell, I can't really complain too much about that. No, I think it's it's one of those ones where, because of the, the gender split, it, it gets you second-guessing your strategy. And I actually would have questioned it myself, to be perfectly honest with you, Stephen. I didn't know if Chris Statlander on the TBS title... That title had been on Jade Cargill for so long. We didn't know the context of what that title could do in the draft really outside of that wrestler. So Chris Statlander, coming off of return, Scott saw that, saw the title points. In the end, it's worked out probably... It's it's a smart move. It's tough to say because the captaincy's on NGF. So just looking at it, MGF probably gets slightly more without that captaincy off him if you apply the champion points. So, but are there many stronger females out there that Scott McLeod would have got in the later rounds? Probably not. So when you weigh the pros and cons of that pick, it looks like Scott's made the right decision in the end. 
Yeah, 39 points MJF's got without the captaincy, so it would have been a two-point differential. The only thing I think the MJF pick would have done is probably uh, helped Ryan Douglas as uh, Callum Bennett would be a lot further down the table. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> fun, um, interesting stat about Chris Statlander. She's been picked four times in the draft, and each time she's been picked two seasons in a row, season 9 and 10, and now season 17-18. Uh, we now go on to our um, top scorer of the week, it's uh, a bit of joy for me after uh, last week's struggling with points. Becky Lynch, 16 points, NXT Women's Champion, appearing regularly on Raw. This is uh, an interesting turning point for me, as I will tell you now, guys, as of now. Becky Lynch will now become the captain of Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. Ooh, she oh is God. now going to be my captain going forward. Uh Dave. And Gunther was your captain originally. Uh, Gunther was my captain, but it's now going to Becky. And Becky is actually my top best performing pick, so it's an interesting conundrum where I would have went if I'd went with Becky. But uh, Dave, can maybe understand, well, it's probably logical why I didn't put the captain on Becky to begin with, but thoughts on the change? No, I think that's probably a wise decision. You know, Gunther's kind of calmed down a little bit now that he's finally achieved the longest reigning intercontinental title match. But if Becky is defending the title, not just on NXT, but on Raw, that's going to be even more uh, captaincy points now going forward, especially since she had a title defense against Natalia this past week on Raw. And she is scheduled to face Tiffany Stratton in a rematch at NXT No Mercy under Extreme Rules. Um, logic might suggest that, you know, this could probably be an easy retention for Becky, but... Never say never. You know, Tiffany Stratton's been turning a lot of heads lately. I mean, there's no reason to say There's no reason to think what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Dave, unfortunately, you've uh, jinxed yourself and your mic dropped a wee bit there. We'll give you a, a couple of minutes to quickly get that sorted. Uh, David, I will throw back to you mm-hmm. on this particular one. Uh, Becky has uh, put, a, put a graphic on her Twitter uh, la- uh, last oh. night, uh, pretty much saying that she'll the Becky tour, uh, which gives me an indication that she will be retaining that title at No Mercy. Uh, she's not historically given her status a massive, massive scorer historically in the draft. She's the 12th best all time, but she's nowhere near the likes of Rhea. Uh, Bianca Bailey. Uh, do you think this could be uh, a, a big a big season for Becky? No? Uh, yeah, it's, the thing with Becky Lynch is, it, it, I hate to say it's that, but the myth, the myth of Becky Lynch, but because she has such a big name, people tend to pick her higher, you know, and you want to get her in. But like you say, history hasn't really reflected that. I, I don't want to go as far as saying that this is a game changer for you um, winning the NXT title. Uh, Stephen, I don't know if it's enough to get you to top three, two, even to win the season. Having said that, at the start of the season when people draft, there's usually a small amount of draft picks who we know are going to be on multiple shows. You know, the likes of your Adam Pierce's, the likes of your your tag team champions, you know, they're going to be in multiple shows. The fact that you've got a strong, a strong enough second round pick already in Becky Lynch, now appearing on NXT, add in the title points to that and now the captaincy. It's If you're going to have anything 
that's going to rocket fuel you to the top of this table. It's going to be what's happened here with Becky. And like Dave said, that there is a risk here, I think, when you put the captaincy on her. There is a chance Tiffany Stratton takes that back at NXT No Mercy, which is only like a week away from time of recording. So it could end up blowing up in your face if Tiffany Stratton takes the title back. However, you'll be hoping she saves she's going on this tour. It would be smart to keep the title on Becky Lynch. That's what you'll be praying. Praying happens and Tiffy Strats takes the takes the fall next week at No Mercy. <laughs> Tiffy Strats. <laughs> I mean given um given my standings in the table, I don't think it's exactly it's not exactly like Chris Anthony Lopez uh Trading away uh, Chris Jericho for uh, Takechka, you know, and, and getting <laughs> Candice LeRae while you're top of the league. It's not exactly that, yeah, but it's no. it's it, it's a case of I'm at a position I'm, I'm a bit off. I need something big to happen. There's no yeah. harm in it. It's a it's a no risk, no reward. I'm enough away from the bottom as well, and it's not like Becky's just going to suddenly go away if she loses the title. She will still be on TV. Exactly. She won't be on two shows, mm. but she'll still be on TV. We yeah. said on Central that, you know, this would be a great opportunity for, for Jade Cargill to come in if she's been reporting to the Performance Centre. Jade, I think, is an option on that. I don't think she wins it right away. I don't think she wins it, like, the week after No Mercy. I think I've still got a bit of a stretch with Becky. I think they'll build that feud up. I think no, she could cost Becky, though, Stephen. It would be the concern. And then that feud happens on Raw. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a a worrying prospect, but we will um, see how that goes. But yeah, it's a no risk, no reward type thing. And Becky Lynch is our top scorer for the week with 16 points. Yeah. Uh, we now move on to our standings or table for the season and still at the bottom. Uh, I think his name's jinxed him with his bumming performance this season. <laughs> Ryan Douglas, Spaghetti Arms like Spaghetti on 74 points. It's actually a better week for Ryan on 19 points, but he still needs a big, big... Uh, improvement in the weeks ahead, you know, Trick Williams and Jungle Boy being on your team, you know, that's a combined disaster there right there. Uh, just ahead of them, though, is um, his nearest uh, challenger for relegation, uh, Gary Kernan, Team Vistra, 92.5 points. Not a great season so far for Gary. And half a point ahead of him is Ross McLeod with FDR. So, second highest score this week, 24 points as well. So, it was a good uh, week for Ross all round. It was a good one. It was enough to get my bit of uh, uh, leeway away from Gary. And then it's yourself, David, on 101 and a half points with the West End Country Club. Hey, I broke the 100-point barrier. I'm happy. Small victories there, mm-hmm. clearly, you know. And kind of like one, when Grant, you know, passed the 100 points with his dice-rolling strategy. Yeah, but you are also now a man down on your team this now, David, mm. with uh, Mustafa Ali being amongst the released crop. Such on... a selfish bastard. He was supposed to face Dom Dom for the NXT North American title at No Mercy as well. Now it's just, just not happening now. Dave, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. He was not going to beat Dominic, so you've actually gained some <laughs> points before getting released there. I think that's the one, that's the one thing. I think well, that. I suppose, hey, listen, as long as more focus gets put on, like, Jey Uso and Rey Mysterio, I'm happy. Yeah, but uh, the, the only uh, draft casualty from uh, the what we saw on Thursday. Uh, Andy Mitchell now next on nine for 111 points. Just ahead of him, we have Elliot Cantor, who has cantered his way right down the table <laughs> on 112 and a half points. Uh, Callum Bennett, 113 points with follow James Blair underscore one on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, then it's myself in sixth place with 118 and a half points with Doof as much evil incorporated. Never get tired of that. Uh, fifth place, he 
was completely random in his selection, but as Grant McRobbie with Roll to draft at 123. Uh, Jack Graham's in in fourth, just ahead of him at 124 points with a million ways to fuck up the draft. Well, this ain't one. Uh, third place, Scott McLeod with the David Hockney Better Wi-Fi Fund. We should change that to the David Hockney Better Microphone Fund going forward. Fuck off. Uh, on 145 points. And uh, then we get to our top two. Tom Brock with 158 points with a platypus. Very a platypus. And then top spot, he is... Currently running away with it. Uh, you can understand why I said it's we dumb money to bet against them. It's Team Goat, David Campbell, on 186 and a half points. David, yeah. uh, in a season with uh, the evilest, uh, oh, I say the evilest and the not so evil bad guy from an animated series, <laughs> uh, your, your evil plan is coming to fruition, currently. It is. I'm not going to celebrate too early. We saw what happened to Chris Anthony Lopez last time out. You know, and I've been I've been cursed with like, an obscene number of second place finishes before uh, in this draft. So I'm not going to tempt tempt fate in any way, shape, or form. But listen, we'll get into my team a bit later. My strategy, I think, has been sound for drafting for the last four or five seasons. And I've come back in. I've been on a good run. Just saying, like looking at the relegation battle the now, like your Ross is on good points. Gary's doing all right. Like after Dave's week, I would say that he would be concerned uh, about getting relegated instead of Ryan. But then I had a wee quick look at Ryan's team, and I honestly do think it's the worst ever uh, in draft, like in draft history, especially from a guy who hosts this show. It's it's I love Ryan. It's an embarrassing team. And just and something else on the table. I'd rather shit my hands and clap than follow James Blair <laughs> underscore one on Twitter, I think. So <laughs> well, that's brutal. Um, we won't go into more uh, goat analysis in a wee bit as we go through David's team. Uh, but, uh, Dave, uh, we have the Listener's League uh, mm-hmm. going on. Uh, last week we had the conclusion of the first round of the Listener's League Cup, which we went into in the, in the show last week. Uh, we'll go into that a bit more in the weeks ahead because it's still very early in that. But tell us what's going on in the actual table itself. Well, much like Listener's League of the Past, you know, it really is full of shitters because the top three this week are all called John. Uh, yeah, I think that joke sounded better head. But anyway. It sounds, better to you, it sounds better to you, Dave, because yeah, obviously yeah, you, you, have, you, have, you have Johns in the family. <laughs> yeah, too many Johns in my family. Uh, anyway, fifth place, former winner Adam Callier with... Uh, reach for the Daily Stars, climb every mountain higher, 183.5 points. Uh, scoring 30 points this week, fifth overall uh, for this week alone. Fourth place, we have another former winner, Ross Brady, carrying Crossco on 189 points. Not as good a week for him, but still maintaining his top five position. Then we have somebody who's been in the top five quite a while this season, John Sly, with Hurt Business Ish on 193. Second place, Jonathan Napier, Back to the Future Endeavours on 195 and a half points. Uh, but number one on the listeners' league this week, storming into the lead with a weekly score of 45 and a half points, we have Johnny Adam and Dark Side of the Onion Ring on 207 points overall. Largely contributing is his captain, Dominic Mysterio, and of course, Becky Lynch, who was our top scorer this week. But the rest of his team, you know, he has the acclaimed, who had a trio's title defence this past week on AEW. And uh, we also have Rey Mysterio. Uh, who's got a US title defence against Santos Escobar, so that puts him in very good standing uh, down the line. So, yeah, I think Johnny Adams' team is looking very pretty star-studded, all things considered. Uh, the one glaring exception I see is Chelsea Green with the cursed women's tag titles, but, you know, it looks like they've got something in the works with that, you know, saying that they've 
the the curse of the women's tag titles has been brought on by the uh, Alba Fire and um, Isla Dawn. But yeah, it's a good result for Johnny Adam this week, you know, breaking the 200-point barrier for the first time this season. Yeah, a big swing for uh, Johnny Adam this week with the, the other ones who were quite high up and John Ross and uh, Jonathan Napier not quite getting as many points. Uh, Ross on 17 this week and John Sly on 16. Uh, Jonathan Napier, who was top earlier in the week, I was uh, told by a reliable source that he's not watched wrestling since WrestleMania, so that shows us how this um, <laughs> really how, how this draft works. Uh, uh, David, I will ask you quickly before we go on to your team, uh, with our um, main league having a relegation aspect this uh, season with the bottom player going into the listeners' league this season, Yeah, how do you think they will handle this kind of listeners league environment obviously ryan's the favorite to go down and he's been there but if it was to be someone else a yeah. gary or a ross but it looks at how do you think they would handle this i think they just need to look at it and just be you you need to take any emotion out of it and you just need to do the sensible things the reason that i managed to win the listeners league in the first try was through for lack of a better term not being a fucking idiot and just looking at historically who the best draft picks are in every round. Look at what's coming forward. You have all the time in the world to think about it. It's not like you need to make an immediate decision. So anyone who's going down from the main league, if you're going down with this sort of environment, with this sort of method of drafting, and you're not performing at least top 10 in that table, something's went horribly wrong. You should be doing well. Like you say, John Sly hasn't watched wrestling since WrestleMania and still managed to trick himself into having a good draft team here. You know what I mean? But having said that, they're going into a listeners league where you do have your your sort of veterans there now. You have your Matt Smith, you have your, your Robert Shaws, your Tam McKay's, your, your JP's. For, God forbid we should bring his name up in this show. You know what I mean? But you have people who have played that game for a long time who are used to that strategy. Just go in and don't be an idiot. That's, that's what I'd say. I will uh, quickly correct you, David. It's Jonathan Napier, who was in second, does not watch res- uh, wrestling since WrestleMania. Uh, uh, in case John Sly is listening to the, sh- to the show, <laughs> he, think- he thinks, hold on. I don't care what John Sly thinks. You know what I mean? John, John Sly could have watched every episode of Raw, right? It would be to death ears. I don't care. <laughs> fair dues, fair dues. Right, we will now go back to yourself, David, and we will talk about your team, obviously, top of the table. Uh, scoring 186 and a half points uh, with an average uh, score of 33, 31, sorry, which is a pretty solid score. We'll go through uh, David Campbell's team quickly for those of you who maybe new to the show have not seen who David picked on the selection show. He has Damian Priest, who is his captain, Carmelo Hayes, Bianca Belair, the acclaimed Adam Pierce, and Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, David, I will start you off because I know you want to talk about it, given what you mentioned earlier on the show. Uh, Damien Priest, uh, first round pick. Uh, he scored 89 points for you with the captaincy. With no captain's points, he's the best performing pick of the season so far. Yeah. And you got him after Ryan Dalglish picked Eo Sky ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> you must have been rubbing your hands that night. I honestly couldn't believe it. And I'm he was probably what? rubbing something. Yeah, I was, I was, I was honestly like flabbergasted there that he left <laughs> feasting the table for a US guy. And listen, it goes down to history as well. Like 
I was looking at it, like, when you looked at last season, I think EO and Damien were kind of, they were closer than you would think in terms of the point scoring, but I remember when Ross won with a juggernaut season, it was when he had Mr Money in the Bank, he had Big E, and it was around this time of year, you know what I mean? You, you shouldn't be leaving, I don't think, Mr Money in the Bank on the table that late, add in the fact that the Judgment Day are tearing it up on both, like, every brand now, like, the fact that he won the tag titles wasn't something I necessarily saw coming, but it's been a completely welcome development for me, obviously, because now Raw and SmackDown, Damien Priest is popping up, banger matches, picking up some wins, but it's the type of pick I don't even need to necessarily count in constant wins from him, because the Judgment Day are just making that many appearances. When you look at what I've done in the past to win, Obviously, Adam Pearce was a big appearance getter. Nia and Shayna at one point were getting some decent appearances uh, as well. The appearances, they're, they're the, the lifeblood of your team, really. And that Damien Priest has got the perfect combination. Champion points, appearances across both shows and big wins when they count. Uh, I don't really want to... I feel bad running it into Ryan Dalglish a bit more, but I'm going to do it right now. Uh, <laughs> essentially, David, we, we, you, you obviously, all your picks were done, essentially, well, you, you had a, a lot of your picks after Ryan's, you know, so yeah. it, was kind, it was kind of, well, half your picks were done after Ryan. And essentially, you had, uh, you picked after he picked Deal Sky, mm-hmm. you picked after he picked Trick Williams, and yep. you picked after he picked Jungle Boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's um. I wish I had that. I had Buddy Jack Graham ahead of me. Fucking take every pick on the board. <laughs> yeah, but here's the here's the thing about see Ryan's two worst picks on paper, right? I Eos guy was on my my draft list. I was thinking about Eos guy, especially because of what I talked about with the women's thing, and I was looking at Jungle Boy and all. You know what I mean? Like in the fifth round, like he's been unlucky with the Jungle Boy pick. Jungle Boy should have had a better season as we all acknowledge so it's bad luck and bad decisions but that's what comes with this draft you need to make the decisions in a split sort of second failing coming in with any sort of game plan and Ryan's just made the bad decisions that have led to me you know <laughs> reaping the rewards of that you know what I mean and the other one I want to talk about to you is um, your pick of the acclaimed yeah. in round four uh, a favourite of yours, you know, MD who's followed this draft for the 18th season knows David has his favourites. Yeah. You know, he's got his favourite kids, the ones he don't <laughs> like, he, he puts to the side. Uh, but yeah, you pick, they are the best performing tag team of the season so far. Now, I think I, I will add the caveat to a lot of people is not at the time we did the selection, they weren't confirmed to be in that title match no. at, at uh, Wembley. But was it a case of you had the foresight of the feud? Were you fully intact no. with uh, what Tony Khan was doing? As I know you follow him so rigorously, or was <laughs> it just a case? Or was it just a case of late in the draft you picked Adam Pearce the next round as well? Pick who you know and see how it goes. It reminds me of Nia and Shayna, where I thought I was going crazy because no one saw what I saw. The acclaimed last season for me were one of the best later round picks last season for me they were one of the best tag team picks 
So I had in my sort of bingo card wanting to get the acclaim back, obviously, because I think it's a risk to take tag teams in the higher up rounds. When people take FTR and people take the Young Bucks quite high up, sometimes it doesn't pay off. You look, the Young Bucks have only scored 11 points, you know, when you look at the, you look at that round um, for, uh, for Tom. They claimed getting them lower down where people will let them slip. It was a strategy. It was a risk that I played that people would let them go that far. And when I got them, I was jumping for joy because they are consistent points getters. And I didn't foresee the feud, Stephen, to answer that question. I didn't think that the acclaimed would win a title in this season. That that has been that has been a stroke of good luck for me. What I knew the acclaimed would get is consistent points on TV every week because they're one of AEW's most popular acts. And I think. What people don't seem to understand in fourth, fifth and sixth rounds, sometimes people want to go for the big swings and sometimes it pays off in the case of like a Matt Smith. But what I always think with fourth, fifth and sixth rounds, a lot of the time, and sometimes I'll break it, you really want that to be where your consistent appearance points are coming from. And that was what I was wanting with claim The title bonus and the title run and all the wins are getting, that's just a bonus for me. Yeah, I... I... I thought the feud might have happened. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen at Wembley, which adds the point. And a great, an interesting caveat. Uh, they acclaimed were in a 13 draft strong season were the 10th team picked out of all the teams. The only ones that were picked after them were Imperium, uh, the Brawling Brutes, and someone else I can't find. Darby <laughs> Allen and Sting? Now, Darby Allen and Sting were picked before them. So they may have actually been the the eleventh, you know. So they were they were either the tenth or the eleventh pick tag team. I I do think that is ridiculous, though. Like not not to like call anyone out, but like the new day haven't been setting the world on fire the same. And Stephen, I get your I get your pick at the family uh, and wanting to take the chance on them, but you look at it's a thirty point. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big uh, swing. It's a big you swing. know what I mean? Yeah. Grant, Grant, the one thing that you take out of that, I'm not going to pretend that Grant and Robbie had any strategy asking why is they picked 2.0. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, like Gallus and all, like who who the fuck picked Gallus? Well, that was uh, Callum. Callum, sorry, just got my club picked the last season. Sorry, that that explains it. You know what I mean? But like, come on to hell, like they claimed, listen. I got the luck with the title win. Didn't think I'd maybe get that. Wasn't anticipating it. But I knew the numbers didn't lie from last season and I knew they'd be consistent points getters. I am. Um, when I was looking at that there, I, I forgot. I missed out uh, Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens when I was looking at it. So they, there was only two tag teams picked after the acclaimed. One was Imperium, who were picked right after yeah. the acclaimed. And the other one was the Brawling Brutes in round six when there was essentially... That was yeah, the last was pick of it. That was the last pick of the entire draft. So that just shows something there. Uh, Dave, have you got any questions to ask uh, Mr. Campbell about his team? I've not asked. Yeah. Uh, go, how confident were you in selecting Bianca Belair in round three, but now knowing that she's taken time off uh, to sort of recuperate a little bit? I wasn't confident at the time. It just felt like a decision I had to make, Dave, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I was looking at the list and saying, right, Priest is there, Hayes is there. And I understand why people let Bianca slip that far. The only thing that was playing in my mind was, one, I hadn't heard nothing about her taking time off. So I thought, again, a popular act, she'll at least be in TV. I thought they might have. I bought into the rumours that they'd team her up with Bobby and the, the Prophets. 
that was I did buy into that. And listen, she's taking time off TV. She's the lowest score in round three. She's the one clear blight. Uh, no, sorry, the second lowest scorer in round three. She's the one clear blight in my team at this point. The one thing that I have going for me with Bianca Belair is that when she does come back, and hopefully it is within the next two months, she will pick up wins quickly. She will make an impact quickly. And when you look at the rest of that third round, the highest scorers are only on 16 points. So when she comes back, all she has is a 12-point differential to make up if I'm just looking at it round per round. So obviously as a weakness in my team, wasn't completely confident in her, but when I actually look at it logically and thinking about the long term of the season, she is one who could be a slow-burning payoff. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same question with uh, Raquel Rodriguez. You know, she's only scored seven points after losing to Rhea Ripley twice. Uh, given that most of your team is pretty much WWE or NXT based, your only exception being the acclaimed, which has done you very well. Uh, do you think this is possibly a chance for you to maybe in future seasons branch out to maybe look more at AEW picks? You know, given that you know Stephen picked Willow Nightingale after you, and she's got almost, and she's got more than double the points that Raquel has at the minute. Yeah, but you you put a spin on that, saying more than double. She's got sixteen points. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when you break down the numbers, it's thirteen points more. Like yeah, fair true. enough for Stephen. It's a good six. It's a good six round pick, but it's also a six round pick. You know, you say Raquel Rodriguez has only got seven points. I'm actually quite buzzing with that for a six-round pick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know she's not setting the world on fire, but she's still around on Raw. She probably might do some things with Nia Jax. And when you say I want to branch out, I had to pick a woman, Dave, and it's hardly as if Tony Khan is going to be invited to the, the fucking Women's Appreciation Awards next year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who the fuck am I going to pick from AEW? Who am I going to branch out with? Like, I am not one to leave the female picks to round six. In this case, with this draft and strategy, I had to do it because there was too many gold mines on the table for me to pick up before that. But when you get to round six and you've got someone who is going to be in pay-per-view matches and was in a women's title feud, Raquel Rodriguez felt like a no-brainer. And again, I don't know what she's going to do for the next two months. It could be bugger all and it's left with seven points. What I will say to that is, at least it isn't zero. So we'll just leave it there. If she does nothing else, I'm not too fussed. But she is a big name and she could have the potential for doing something, which is something I do look at. What can they do? Like, you look at someone like Penelope Ford, right? It's hardly as if Penelope Ford's going to find herself in a fucking pay-per-view match this season, Mm -hmm. if we're being brutally honest about it. Raquel Rodriguez might. That is the point. You really need to stop using Grant's picks as examples, David. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I forget like, who this are, but like, like you, you look at the rest of that that six rounds. Like, it's it's not the worst six rounds we've ever had in history. You know what I mean? To be brutally honest, like we've all picked quite well uh, when we've got to that point. But then, yeah, I, to answer your question, Dave, no, I don't think it's a terrible pick in the game. There's there's not many. I don't think there was many better than it at the time. Um, you know, there's a Ruby Soho, maybe uh, Dakota Kai didn't think she was going to appear exactly. at, any, at any point. We thought that was that SummerSlam one was going to be a one-off yeah. uh, for the now. Piper Niven, who would have thought she would have just been given the woman half of the women's tag titles? You know? <laughs> exactly. So, it's a, context, right? She's my sixth round pick. She's got one less point 
than fucking Shinsuke Nakamura, a first round pick. Please put that in perspective. You know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's not wrong. It, it, it's not wrong. He's also not wrong about how bad the round three is. My bloody god! I really, <laughs> just, <laughs> I really just went and looked at that. My the best scoring round three is Britt Baker. <laughs> yeah, and dragging off like that's yeah. that's your two. Like, and that, that's why when David everything has a context to it. Bianca Belair obviously isn't a great pick like at the present time, but see if I'm just putting her in contention with it's around three. Actually, not the worst. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, round three this time. Yeah, for the curse of round three. Oh my god. Uh, two I know 2.0 is a random pick, but they're round three. My god. <laughs> uh, and Tri- obviously, Trick Williams is there. We can't forget about him. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, Dave, anything else you want to ask? Uh, David? Uh, no, I'm good. Yeah. Nope. The one thing I will say from myself, like NXT is not somewhere I went in recent seasons. Uh, I think I just I don't I don't like the fucking Wild West that is down there. But something was calling to me with Mellow. I think that obviously Tom Brock has fallen off a wee bit, but there are people who are starting to make a, a claim. If Mellow loses at NXT No Mercy to Dragonov, I will panic a wee bit. I will be a wee bit concerned. Uh, about that, I need that mellow win next week just to put myself, give myself a wee bit of breathing room. Um, but that will be a huge, a huge turning point, a huge story point for this season. Carmelo Hayes versus Union Dragonov next week. That's one thing. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this one to round off on that, but David, because uh, still, it's I forget. You forget how long actually this season is as well. We talked about the last season being long. This yeah. is a long one as well. There's still two months left to go. Things can change. Yeah. Somebody could go on a run. Who are you most worried about catching up uh, on you? It would have been it would have been Tom, obviously, until Mox this week. Now, listen, it still could be Tom. Moxley's concussion could be fine and he could regain that title next week and they just go on you know what i mean like and then all of a sudden all bets are off and we're just looking at the rest of the, the table there it's it's tough to say jack's picks of bobby and the street profits going all in them has really let him down i don't think he's the threat that i thought he might the becky lynch thing worries me a bit for you stephen but with cm punk away uh, from the yeah. free. I'm not completely worried about it. The one that I will say does concern me a bit is that I have no idea how Scott McLeod is as high as he is looking at that team. No, the team team is terrible on paper. On paper, paper. paper it shouldn't work. And that's that's what concerns me because it goes against like convention. He's a defending champion. Like it's sooner rather than later that someone is going to win back to back. And I talked about that Carmelo Dragunov match being the turning point of this season. Scott McLeod has a Dragunov in the team. So never mind me losing with Melo. It also helps him bridge that gap even further. Now, I don't know if there's enough gas in that tank to get Scott McLeod to first place. All I'm saying is I don't get it to this point. And that, as you know, Stephen, I love this draft. Live and breathe it. That's a very very rare place for me to be <laughs> is to not understand how someone is performing as they are. I can give you an exact reason. He's got Adam Cole, Chris Statlander, 
uh, and Darby Allen and Sting. That was a lot of pay-per-view matches over the course of that two-week period recently. Yeah, so he's got that. He's got that aspect of it. If Adam Cole is injured, if he picked, if he actually picked up a bad one when he got a knock on Dynamite on Wednesday, I think yeah. Scott's. I think Scott's going to be nowhere. I think yeah, it, well, it, but that's that, that's the thing then. See if I answer that question. I don't want to be arrogant and say I don't think anyone else has the power to beat me at that point. You know what I mean? Like if Moxley is out and uh, Cole is out. I feel pretty good about that. You know what I mean? And I don't know what you think, but I think I'm pretty fair in saying that. <laughs> I, would, I would say there's an aspect of it, but we've also got to look at, I know Chris kind of fumbled it at the line, but Scott was nowhere for one point last season and got a run. It just yeah. takes one captain to be all over the place making runs of that and something can change. But you're in a strong position and we'll see how it goes. But yeah. for that one... I think it's time that we wrap up this latest edition of Saturday Draft Live here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. If you have enjoyed it, if this is the first time you're listening to it, hit the subscribe button. You can get all our content. We've got also got Central every week where we go through all the news. We do feature shows on the, here on, on the podcast. And we also have this Saturday Draft Live every Saturday. Uh, Dave, thanks for being uh, the second in the chair this week. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I think that makes three in a row for Saturday Draft Live appearances for me now. Sure, I'm not still at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to David Campbell, thank you for coming on and going through your team in such detail. I would just like to... Sorry, I was doing my impression of Dave's mic. Yes, thank you for having me on. Cheers. <laughs> we have robbed the salt and really robbed the salt in. <laughs> I've been Steve Wilson, and we will see you next time. Have a good one. Sports Social Podcast Network.